That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. A Dear Media original podcast. Hi, welcome to Good Instincts. I'm Shira Barlow, but you may know me as the food therapist. Join me every Monday through Friday for bite-sized episodes designed to help you close the gap between where you are right now and where you want to go. This should feel good, like really good. And it will, I promise. It is my extreme pleasure and honor to introduce today's guest. It's someone that I really admire and get a lot of wisdom from daily. It's TikTok's favorite therapist, therapy motherfucking Jeff. Thank you so much for being here. (laughs) Yes. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to talk to you. I'm really excited to talk to you. This week, we talked a lot about relationships and something that comes up a lot in my work. And I just think that comes up in wellness all the time is this relationship that we have with ourselves. In my work, it comes up in relating to the relationship we have with food, but it really affects everything. And I was wondering what having a healthy relationship with yourself means to you? I mean, it's the most important relationship, right? The relationship that you have with yourself. And it also feels like it's the relationship that we forget about the most. Yeah. (laughs) Because a lot of times we're so focused on everything that's happening outside of ourselves, whether it's our family, friends, or relationships. All those things can like really kind of like hijack our experience and take us away from our relationship with ourselves. So one of the first things that we need to do is try to be like as present as we possibly can with the relationship with ourselves. And there's different things that we can do that a lot of us forget to do. Whenever I talk to people about like trying to like cultivate or accept the relationship that you have with yourself is accepting your flaws and imperfections. And if you can try to like see your flaws and imperfections as endearing or cute or sweet, I can be like incredibly absent-minded and that can be really frustrating to people but I think it's so fucking adorable I'm like <laughs> constantly losing things and it's so cute and go on a little like treasure hunt with me trying to find my keys I also want to kind of like attract people into my life that like I can see these things as endearing my flaws and imperfections and they can see these things as endearing I think that if I'm around a lot of people that are really critical or judgmental or can't like tolerate some of my flaws and imperfections then I can like really get my head about it. So first step, I think, is accepting your flaws and imperfections and trying not to be really hard on yourself, practicing self-compassion, basically, knowing that like you're a whole human being. So trying to kind of keep in mind that like you would probably be really compassionate with your friends or your loved ones or the people that you're in relationship with. And you can just do that 
for yourself. Like, why aren't you doing that for yourself? It's just as easy to do that for yourself as it is for anybody else. But for some reason, it kind of isn't. It isn't. Why do you think it's hard for us to practice compassion for ourselves? That's a really good question. I want to turn that back on you afterwards. But I think (laughs) that, I don't know, I think that I can speak personally to this and also just like professionally. But I think that like when we have these roadblocks and things that trip us up again and again and again, it is Mm -hmm. so frustrating to like want something so badly and to have these roadblocks that stand in our way. And so I Mm -hmm. think that it's just so hard to you know what I actually think it is? I think it's that we worry that if we're too kind to ourselves, we won't get anywhere. We mm-hmm. won't achieve anything and we'll kind mm-hmm. of like be fuck ups. And I think mm-hmm. that we worry if like we're too self-compassionate, we'll just kind of be status quo when in reality, and you can speak to this, it's quite the opposite because like that acceptance piece is what helps us kind of like get out of our own way and propel us forward. Exactly. I think there's like so many messages that we receive from the world or society or culture, capitalism, which is sort of like work hard. You're going to like be in pain. It's going to be really hard. Like that's the way that we think we need to motivate ourselves when like that doesn't work. Or maybe that works up to a point until you feel horrible about yourself. The thing that motivates us to like do our best work is self-love and self-compassion. It's also like what you were saying before, I think kind of resonates as well. Whenever I see clients, inevitably what always happens is they come in, they have a presenting problem. They're not working through that problem as fast as they want to be working. They keep on like making mistakes. They talk about the same fucking thing every (laughs) single week. And I am fine with it. I am here on this journey. It's going to take as long as it needs to take. It's okay. I love that you're trying and that you're doing your best and I accept you, but they don't accept themselves. So they start thinking that like, I'm going to judge them. Their therapist is getting so tired of them that like, I must be so like exhausted hearing the same thing over and over and over. But really I'm not. They're the ones that maybe feel exhausted about it. Like I love them and I need them to like love themselves in order to like move through this. One of the like things that I try to like get people to really integrate in therapy is the sort of, you did the best you could with the information and the awareness you had. So you're always just doing the best you can. Maybe that's not true, but like (laughs) typically you're doing the best you can with like the information and the awareness you have. That's a really like beautiful way to kind of think of yourself and to accept yourself and to create like a better relationship with yourself is to be really gentle and compassionate. And that goes into like forgiving yourself. You need to forgive yourself for the things that you did or said that maybe you did some bad things or maybe you made some mistakes, but maybe you did them because you were scared or you were triggered or you were feeling like you were having a trauma response. You're not always going to be able to react perfectly. And I think that a lot of people like punish themselves and think that like they should have done better. I should have tried harder. What is wrong with me? Again, there's the self-compassion piece. Your original question of like having a good relationship with yourself, it's incredibly important. It's also like a relationship that you're going to be working on for the rest of your life. So you have to be kind of patient with yourself. Completely. There's something that you said that was so important because it is the self-compassion piece, but with that also is the self-knowledge piece of like, okay, so like, what did I learn about myself in that moment? Like I learned that like there are things that happen that tend to trip me up and there are some things that we can avoid, but there are some things that are just like super unavoidable. And that I feel like comes up a lot 
in my work too, mm-hmm. just people like being like, well, I just don't want to have any roadblocks ever. And it's just like never going to be the reality. So like learning to live with them. I think mm-hmm. that's so important. Learning to live with them. Like you're saying, trying to figure out if there's a lesson to be learned. A lot of times if there is a lesson and a growth edge or something, then that can feel really good. You can focus on that and be like, oh, this is the lesson. This is how I can grow. Also, it's going to like be uncomfortable or it might be a little painful to grow and that's okay. I'm so glad you said that because you posted something this morning that I loved. You said, Mm -hmm. in order to feel better in the future, you might have to do something that makes you feel worse in the present. And I was Mm -hmm. hoping that you could go into that a little bit. I mean, that can apply to lots of things that we do in our lives. But I was specifically like, while I was writing that script, I was thinking of relationships, of being in a relationship that isn't really serving you, but you're staying in it because it's familiar or it's comfortable and you don't want to break up with her. You don't want to like speak up to get your needs met. You don't want to like change the boundaries of that relationship because you're too scared to do it. And it's going to be really uncomfortable. It could be really painful to speak your truth. It can be really scary. You're taking a risk. And the relationship might end or it might change dramatically. And that can be devastating. However, I want your six-month self or one-year future self to be able to look back on your present-day self and be so proud of you for Uh making that decision. I get stuck in it all the time of just like making decisions that will make me feel good today. And I'm not thinking about my future self enough. So that video is for like all the people that are watching my posts, but it's also for me. All my videos are for me, basically just me talking to myself because this is something that I forget a lot of the time. Well, the future self piece is really important for so many things. And we talk a lot about it here too, which is that we all have like right now wants and rewards we can reap immediately. And then we all Mm -hmm. want, you know, to reap rewards that we would get like six months, a year from now, at least in my work, it's not always about choosing the behavior that benefits the long-term goal. Like sometimes we're going to want the immediate Mm -hmm. want, but I think like being honest with yourself in that moment about like keeping that present self in mind, there's actually really cool research on like, if you look at digitized older versions of yourself, it actually helps you be more connected to your future self. Mm. There was research that showed that people viewed their future selves as complete strangers. Mm. Wow. And it made it really hard for people to do favors for themselves in the future, essentially, because they just had no connection to their future selves. That's wild. I'll think about that in the future or in the present day. That's how I'm going to think about it. I'll think about my future self in the present day. Yeah. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It was something that I had to keep in mind when I was like quitting smoking. I loved smoking. It was one of my favorite things to do. I looked so sexy when I smoked. (laughs) Very social thing to do. It was a grounding thing to do because I was taking like deep breaths. Like I was just, I was yoga breathing the whole time I was doing it. I mean, I was yoga breathing in like toxins, but still, but I had to stop smoking and experience the pain of withdrawals and Mm. having those nicotine fits in order for my future self to be really proud of the decision that I made. That was one of the hardest like addictions to quit. And that's something I think about when I want to try to just tolerate the uncomfortable feelings. That's exactly that. It is uncomfortable in that moment. You know it's the right thing, but it's still Mm -hmm. in that moment feels terrible. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I was wondering, and I feel this way as a practitioner, so I was just wondering how you might feel, but I feel like anytime you're of service in that way and you're kind of holding space for people, it's obviously incredibly rewarding, but you can take on emotional energy of like hearing heavy things. And I was wondering how you ground yourself in those moments and how you kind of take care of yourself so it doesn't affect you. 
Well, I usually do that work in like my home office or in my actual office where I'm talking to clients and processing their stuff. And whenever I leave that space, I leave all the stuff in there. Oh, that's so good. It's like a very deliberate, intentional thought and moment that I have where I just like take a breath. I leave it in the office and I can come back to it the next day if I need to. I've been doing this for like 20 years now. So yeah. it's also something that just happens automatically. I've never really been that person that like where these things stick with me and haunt me. I've always been able to create those boundaries pretty naturally. But there are sessions every now and then where they can really kind of like get into my soul or where I'll cry with a client or something will be incredibly impactful. Mm -hmm. And when that happens, I just sort of need to honor it, understand it, feel it, and then deliberately release it back to them or the universe or wherever it needs to go. I love that. I think that that is so amazing that you can kind of like compartmentalize in that way. And it's so healthy and obviously just speaks to you being in the right profession and it's healthy and it's also not healthy sometimes sometimes oh. i compartmentalize too much in my life so ah. i'm very good at like creating those boundaries and limits and that serves me in my work it might not serve me all the time in my personal life though interesting that is really interesting and i feel like people really like to speculate about your personal like i i know just from being <laughs> like a long time follower a lot of people have a lot of thoughts and you know one of the things i wanted to ask you is that like you're obviously a professional therapist and you're so knowledgeable, but I feel like you've played around a little more recently with being kind of silly and being super yourself. And I mean, you've always been that way, but even more mm -hmm. so. And I was wondering mm -hmm. how that feels for you because like you're now so public that there's a want to be seen for like being a three-dimensional person, not just like therapy, Jeff. And I was wondering how you felt. It's been a journey when it comes to <laughs> how authentic I'm going to be. So there's, you know, the therapy Jeff side where I'm just being kind of clinical, giving relationship advice. That's really easy for me to step into. It also feels like just appropriate as a therapist online. Yeah. I'm going to like give therapy advice, whatever. There's also like this funny side of me or like more humorous side of me that I want to be able to step into, but I know can be just a little jarring for folks because they're just like, no, I'm just here for the relationship advice. And now you're trying to be funny. And are you being sarcastic? That doesn't feel super professional. So I have to be really deliberate. And whenever I make something that's a little funny or lighthearted, people love it and other people do not like it. Really? Like, yeah. They either don't get the joke or they think that I'm being really inappropriate. And I I could be a lot more inappropriate. I feel like I'm being like pretty vanilla so a too. lot of times. Yeah. Just sort of pushing the boundary just a, a little bit. My sense of humor isn't going to work for every single person. And I'm going to like lose followers possibly. There's been like a handful of times and I want to do more of this, but I keep on holding back. There's been a handful of times where I talk about my family. Yeah. It's powerful for me when you do that. Yeah. And I want to do that more, but I have like very fractured relationships with most of the people yeah. in my family. And I know that they're watching. Mm. And I know that they don't like whenever I talk about them because yeah. it's sort of my point of view and my narrative, my experience on the family. Yeah. And we all have very different narratives of what happened. And there was a lot of trauma and there's a lot of disagreements and tons of arguments and fights. But now I'm the one person in the family that has a public platform. So if I talk about my experience, all of a sudden they, they don't have control over it. People are going to think certain things about them, even though I keep them anonymous and you can't find out who they are. So I know that it can be really impactful for me to talk about my family life and my struggles with it. But I also know that my family members are watching and are having a really hard time. So 
I don't know what to do about that all the time. That is really hard. And it Mm -hmm. is hard. Like if one person has the platform, a lot of people are watching. I mean, you're so knowledgeable and all the clinical information, everything is so amazing. But I mean, it is the delivery and it is how authentic you are and it is the whole thing. And I think when you do get to be as huge on social media as you are, like it was interesting to hear you say that some people didn't love the funny stuff and whatever. And I'm like, oh my God, then they can leave. (laughs) Like we'll find more people. But the stuff with your family, I can completely understand that that must be a really difficult line to walk. Yeah, it is. It's difficult. They asked me to not talk about my family. Uh, like, don't, I, we don't want, like, I don't want to hear about your experience. I don't want you to ever mention that you have like a mom or sister or dad that's like this or that you've experienced them that way. And what that felt like was they were telling me to not speak my truth. Right. And eventually I was like, mm, I'm going to, I'm going to every now and then, and I'm not going to stay silent about it because like you said, those posts, whenever I make them, they really connect with people. So I think it's important. Yeah, I think so too. And mm-hmm. it sounds like you're doing it thoughtfully and it's not like an easy situation, but you're considering all the things. I'm doing it thoughtfully, but they don't think I'm doing it thoughtfully. So it's this this kind of thing that where you have to, and this goes back maybe to like having a good relationship with yourself. There's people that are going to be close to you, maybe family members that you've grown up with that are going to think negative things about you and are not going to like some of the things that you're doing, or they're going to disagree with you. I can allow that to affect me and see myself through their eyes and feel a lot of shame and feel a lot of guilt and feel like I'm not good enough and feel like I'm being really hurtful or whatever they think I'm doing. Or I can really celebrate myself and speak my truth and surround myself with people that also think that I'm talking about really good stuff or important things, or I'm doing good work out there, you know? So it's, it's this battle of these voices in my family, not allowing those to take over or hijack or flood me and try to stay centered in who I am, who I know I really am. I love that. And I think it kind of goes back to the thing that I always try and hold on to, which is like, if you're operating from that really thoughtful space, there are going to be times that we're going to disappoint people that we care Mm -hmm. about or people just in general and like being okay with disappointing people, even though that's really uncomfortable, as long as like we're being incredibly true and healthy for ourselves. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. I think I agree with you a hundred percent. And yet I struggle with that every day. It doesn't feel good. We don't want to disappoint people. And then like, we Mm -hmm. know that it is sometimes the healthy thing and it is hard. It is (laughs) hard. I like could talk to you forever. I know music is a big part of your life. I imagine it's pretty grounding for you. And I was wondering, because it is so important to you, what are three songs you think everyone should listen to at least once? <laughs> Let's see. So one of my favorite bands is Not A Surf. And one of the songs that I love is called Inside of Love. The song is about being very sad that they're not inside of love. They're not in relationship and they're ah. so depressed about it. But at the end of the song, they're just kind of like, you know what, I'm having a bad night. So it's like this very like emotional, deep song about not being in love. And then at the end being like, I'm going to be fine. I'm going to be okay. And we all have bad nights sort of thing. So that's the song that I go to if I'm feeling like um, depressed about not being in a relationship or a relationship has ended or something. One that like maybe is not going to do anything for anybody, (laughs) (laughs) but I actually posted about it this morning was my number one all-time favorite song 
in the 90s, which was, which is a classic, I think we can all agree on it, Basket Case by Green Day. Yeah, for sure. And one of the reasons I like that, and I think I just realized this not too long ago, is that it's about like neuroses and going to therapy and that we're all just little basket cases. We are. So it also feels like very validating. It's a very like fun, poppy song to sing along to. This is a little cringe. I mean, I can't think of like a specific song, but the band that I go to all the time, if I'm feeling angry and I need to get like this anger out of my system and I just want to like sing at the top of my lungs is Sum 41. Do you listen to Sum 41? I mean, I grew up same era. I'm into it. I'm here for it. Absolutely. Any like some 41 song where they're all angry and it's like fun anger. It's like not even like, what do you have to be angry about? I don't know. But (laughs) it can be like very releasing whenever I sing a some 41 song. I love that so much. And I love Mm -hmm. your love of music. It's Mm -hmm. fun to see you talk about it because like your whole face lights up and you're always just like so excited to be like, this is what I love. And no one else needs to love it also. Exactly. That's the whole thing. Jeff, this was so amazing. I'm so honored that you came on. Thank you mm-hmm. so much. Yeah, I'm so excited to be here. And hopefully I can come on again in the future. <gasps> I would love that. <laughs> Let's do it. Thank you so much for listening to Good Instincts. Hosted and written by me, Shira Barlow. You can find me on Instagram at Shira underscore RD. Good Instincts is a Dear Media Daily produced by Katherine Hugh. If you like this episode, please make sure to follow or subscribe wherever you're listening. And don't forget to rate us.